So what is your favorite Pixar movie? That is a good question. It's an easy one for me. There's a clear standout. I love Coco so, so much. I'm just a little surprised. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah. I, I loved it so much. Um, I've rewatched it several times. But I, I also, in preparation for this, thought of second and third place. Okay. Too, which are kind of tied. Um, I can't pick between the next two. But also, after Coco, I really love The Incredibles and Inside Out. I am right there with you. I think my favorite, I don't know if I can say one is more favorite than the others, but I really love The Incredibles and Inside Out. Then, I mean, that third place spot probably goes to like a rotation of like Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc. But yeah, I mean, I could watch The Incredibles on repeat every week and be happy. The music is so fun. Yeah. And and fun walk down memory lane right here. In band, I don't know if you remember, but we were on a band trip. For those listeners who don't know, Nick and I were in high school band together, but there was a band trip where we took and on the way back on the buses, you know, there were the big fancy buses that had the TVs and somebody had brought a copy of The Incredibles to watch. And our band director thought the movie was so fun that he got copies of the music for us to play. I don't know. Were, were you in, involved with that? Do you remember that? Yeah, I think we, for like our final end of year concert, it was a little more fun anyway. Yeah. We played The Incredibles. Yeah. This little suite of music. That was fun. Least favorite Pixar? Ooh. I mean, and I think in general, sort of the worst of Pixar is still the best of other studios yeah or or at least matches matches the best of some other places but oh man that's a harder one i mean and this is probably just for me personally Uh i'm not a huge fan of wally okay it's probably one of my least favorite um i'd have to go with probably the cars movies um i've I've only seen the first one i haven't seen the other ones so maybe that's not fair to say the other ones but of the ones i've seen cars is probably my least favorite i have a son who loves all things cars I've been forced to love cars a little bit more, I guess, but <laughs> Fair enough. everyone welcome back to the next episode of post mormon at the movies i'm dan and i'm nick and this week we've got something exciting it's the first time that we're covering a new release we are going to talk about pixar's movie soul that came out on christmas uh we're excited uh, we're just going to jump in and and talk about what we thought about it what did you think nick yeah i you know maybe i built myself up my expectations up a little bit too much Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by it. I thought mm-hmm. it was was still a really good movie and it worked, but it just didn't reach the heights of some other Pixar movies. And especially knowing, you know, Pete Doctor directed it. He's done Monsters, Inc. and Up and Inside Out, mm-hmm. which are all some of my favorite movies at Pixar. So I don't know. Maybe I set myself up to expect a little bit too much. And maybe if I watch it again, I'll appreciate it a little more. But when I saw Inside Out, for instance, I knew like walking on that theater, like, oh, that's going to be my favorite 
one of my favorite yeah. Pixar movies forever, probably. And and I was trying to gauge, you know, like general audience reactions to that. And I was like, you know, looking online at reviews or just talking to people. And it seems like there's a really mixed bag from my perspective. Uh, there's a lot of people who love it and were like crying and were like deeply, deeply moved and enjoyed it so much. Uh, and then I've come across other people who were like, meh, it was, it was okay. You know, like, like, like we discussed, you know, uh, something that's not a home run for Pixar is still like way better than a lot of what other studios produce. And so it's, it's not by any means a bad film or, or one that's, you know, bottom tier anywhere else. But, um, I, I feel the same way. I don't think it hit me as strongly as some of the other Pixar movies that have come out that we've kind of come to expect from Pixar. Um, that being said, there are lots of things that I enjoyed. Yeah. In the film. Putting in the, in the context, this is like you said, our first movie that we're discussing. That's a new release. Mm -hmm. And of course our podcast started in 2020 and there just haven't been a whole lot of new releases of any movies. And I wonder how much that situation affected my enjoyment of the movie. Like mm -hmm. I, part of me wonders, you know, at home it's easier to pause it and take a, a snack break. Kid has to go to the bathroom, all that sort of stuff, which is convenient, but it does break your immersion. In, and I just miss movie theaters, you know? Yeah, I know. And I wonder if I had seen it in a theater the first time around, maybe I would have just like been wrapped up in the movie a little bit more. So I think it's important to say that. And I feel like we'll probably be having that discussion, you know, this whole next year as yeah. movies are split between theaters and being released on streaming services and that sort of thing. I actually saw it twice. So I saw it the day of Christmas Day. Um, and then I watched it again yesterday in preparation for recording. I don't think that my opinion of it would have been changed by watching it in a theater. Guessing it could go the other way too, where I'm sure audiences will be more forgiving of a movie if they didn't spend money to pay, you know, for tickets and snacks mm -hmm. and a babysitter. Right. And so it's like once, you know, you've got a hundred dollars invested in going to see this movie, if it isn't good, it's going to feel even worse. And so then and it has I, to be good. You have to like it when you go. Yeah. And so I wonder, but I think the other way, you know, it's like if there's just not much investment, then like, I think, you know, you can probably relax a little bit more and, and not as much as riding on. This was our night out to go see a movie and it better be good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just an interesting change to how we're viewing stuff this year. So I'm going to talk about some things that I liked about it. Okay. Um, I don't want to completely alienate our listenership because there's probably a lot of people that did like it and, you know. Yeah. We don't want to trash and, on it and I think, the whole time. I think there is plenty to love about this yeah, movie. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I love, love, love the jazz music. Yeah. I've I've always kind of loved jazz. And, you know, when we lived in Chicago, it was fun to go to the jazz club and, you know, listen to kind of, kind of you know, similar um, place to like where they performed in the yeah. movie, which was fun. I think that the... The animation of New York and like the real world was amazing. I thought that it looked very realistic and 
was really impressed by those yeah. scenes. And the more abstract animation of, you know, the the great before and everything else, mm-hmm. I think I think that that was fun too, but maybe not quite as spectacular as. Yeah, and I think that's where yeah. like you really see Pixar shine is that like they can just invest the money into the artistry to like depict all the nuance and details and of a place like New York city streets Mm -hmm. so that it feels authentic and other studios, they feel like, you know, they just don't have, they don't want to invest the money sometimes in that. And so yeah, Pixar movies always just look so good. My brother used to live in New York city and he said that watching it was just really nostalgic and that they completely nailed it. So yeah, that's cool. So now you play piano. I do. So I've heard a lot of, I, mean, I don't play piano. I've heard a lot uh-huh. of people online say that the animation of the piano playing is just very authentic as well. And yeah. like a level of detail that they didn't need to do, but people appreciate. And, you know, I didn't even think about that until you brought that up. But I kind of took that for granted because whenever we're watching a movie that involves music or music performance and especially piano I'm like really nitpicky about that and so it bothers me a lot and I didn't even notice that at all it just all looked seamless and and even when he was like conducting the band students at the beginning he was like right on the beat and other movies that have you know music conductors they're always like off by a couple beats or not even on the on a beat you know and so yeah, I didn't even think about that, but that's a huge, huge plus in my book now that I realize it. Yeah. I loved the opening Disney logo uh-huh. where they were playing the When You Wish Upon a Star. Right. And it was the poor, <laughs> the bad, bad, bad band. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, it's a fun opening. Yeah. I, I have something to say about that. They did that too with Coco and they had like a mariachi band playing that, which was fun. I thought it was a good idea for this movie, but like having seen the whole movie now... I think that maybe there wasn't so much of the instructional part of like being a middle school band teacher as part of the story to maybe have deserved that. Right. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. So so it was fun and it was cool, but it was like, oh, that didn't that wasn't like such a huge part of the the movie. Whereas in Coco, it's all about, you know, performing on a guitar and and performing music, so. So I'm not a big Uh, like pet person my wife grew up with pets and has had multiple cats and I know you are a cat person yeah but I think that's one of the things that my wife loved about soul was (laughs) all the depiction of cats and yeah he's you know he ends up inhabiting a cat's body and yeah just kind of the cat behavior that's something that that's something that me and my wife were laughing about you know with each other a lot as we watched it just the the cat mannerisms of, you know, wanting to lay down in the sun puddle on the floor and chasing the little reflection of the light in the elevator. And <laughs> my my wife was so happy that the cat didn't end up dying at the end. That, that would have ruined the movie for her. One of the things that I really love about Pixar is just how much story is king at their studio. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in animation in general, it's a lot easier to have stories be really well refined because usually it's going through a big process of storyboarding and storyboarding. And, and so by the time you're getting to like the finished version, they're animating most, most especially at Pixar, they've gone through 
multiple iterations of this story to arrive mm -hmm. at the final one because you don't want to invest the money animating it until you know it's going to actually be the final version. And I think that this movie is just one of the things that I really liked about it is that it is really simple. I feel yeah. like sometimes people feel like complications like or a complicated story means that it must be like a really well-told story. And that's not always the case. Pixar just really with this one, like pared it down to just the most essential pieces and so there wasn't a whole lot of fluff to this movie. Like it was That's very true. focused. I don't necessarily agree with some of the ways that they took the story, but yeah, same. like you could feel that like they had a, had a message to tell and they, they like sort of took away everything that didn't fit that message until the ending for me. I think that the ending doesn't quite land for me, but yeah, everything leading up to it, I feel like is is really good. And I feel like that might be probably why ultimately I don't love it as much as other movies is that I feel like it just didn't stick the landing. And, and but... I'm glad we're talking about this because I, I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> and I had a conversation with this about my siblings and they all kind of agree with that. Yeah. One of the things that helps a movie be really streamlined and focused is a character with a very clear want in this movie. Uh -huh. and, and by want, I mean like the goal, like what the character is trying to get actively yeah. in the movie. And, um, the Joe Gardner is like very clearly has a dream and a goal and he's actively pursuing it to become this like musician of his dreams, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then he gets his big break and, and accidentally dies. And so then everything is about trying to get back to that moment so that he can fulfill his dream and all that's super, super clear. And for me, it's, yeah, that last act sort of spins that idea on its ear. And a everything bit. that had been built up. Yeah, it's like which I think can be good. I think pulling the rug out a little like there there is an effective sort of twist there of like, oh, the point of everything isn't, you know, like you, it's not about finding the, your purpose in life. That's this one uh -huh. drive, it, yeah. you know, that's a fun little twist. But I feel like they didn't really hit home that idea. Yeah. Of like it, it isn't it isn't as important to have like this one thing that's your driving everything in your life. That's your purpose. Anyway, what did you think about that? Kind of like you said, I, th I think they had a couple different big ideas that they wanted to share throughout this movie. And I kind of wrote down like, you know, in any of these ideas, they could have like went down and developed maybe more into a more satisfying conclusion but I feel like they, they like started a whole bunch of different ones and then didn't really land any of them. Like it seemed like there was a big em emphasis on the pre-programmed personalities, like in the great before um, about like developing that. But then when we get to the earth life, it's like that didn't really have, have anything to do with the end of the movie, you know? And then the whole thing about like your spark and then finding your purpose and then learning, Oh, well the spark isn't really the purpose of your life. And, and maybe like, again, I'm kind of confused. And um, my brother-in-law said this too, is like, we got to the end of the movie. And it's like, I'm not really sure what they wanted me to take away from this. Um, and like, I saw some people write online that maybe, you know, maybe the purpose of life is that there is no purpose, you know, and it's just to like, enjoy and, and that's, that's reflected in the, the last line of the movie, which I, I didn't love. Um, so, you know, the Jerry character asks him, 
you know, so how are you going to spend your life? And he says, I don't know, but I'm going to live every minute of it. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know exactly what that means or what they want me to. And like, yeah, there's like, you know, enjoying the little small moments in life and and everything. But there were there were a few other moments in the movie that I feel were like stronger and more significant than that. When, when I feel like for me, it's, you know, the ending to your movie is re- so important to uh-huh. ultimately defining like what your movie's about. Yeah. Because if, if you falter at the end, I feel like kind of what, what you're expressing and how I felt too is that like, I just didn't feel like I quite get, got like what the theme, what, like what the big takeaway for this movie was, but they explored a lot of ideas that are really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, and And so I think that, there was a lot of that that I enjoyed. Um, but I think for me, some of the like confusion there thematically is that like, yeah, we find out that he thinks the spark is the purpose, your purpose in life. And that's like your overriding sort of thing that will carry you through your life. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that, oh, it's a spark isn't a purpose. It's just the desire to live. Yeah. You're, you're ready to go to earth. Yeah. As Joe's mentoring the Tina Fey character, 22, mm-hmm. um, and finally, she ultimately finds out that, like, oh, I want to live because now that I've experienced life, I get it. And now I want to live my own life. Mm-hmm. And I think her through line as a character is really clear, really, really solid. And ultimately, like, like the stuff that's going on with her character, um, it, it isn't confusing to me. Like, I get her character development and, yeah. and ultimately why she makes the choice she does to go to Earth and that it's big growth and all that sort of stuff. But Joe's like, Oh, so yeah, I had always thought my purpose in life was to be a jazz musician. Mm -hmm. And that's what like was, was my purpose. And then he ends up. And so his whole life has been about this dream to become a jazz musician. And then at the end, he ends up becoming like a professional jazz musician. And I guess like kind of maybe feels like maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be, or Mm -hmm. at least like, I got this to this place that I wanted and now it's going to be the same thing every day. Just like the rest of my life has been the same thing every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I feel like they didn't quite nail that idea of like he achieved his dream, but now it's kind of the routine of it all might yeah. not be what he thought. And yeah. so like that idea of like pursuing a dream and finally getting it and then not being satisfied is an interesting idea that they just didn't explore in this movie at all. Mm-hmm. and so like he gets his dream he achieves his goal that sort of like going from that moment of like achieving his dream to then like d- deciding oh i'm just gonna live life now i feel mm-hmm. like that's the leap that never quite landed for me yeah and i was convinced like part way through the film that it's like oh they're gonna bring it back to the teaching and the education like maybe that's gonna be his sp- what his spark was instead of you know and he, and he discovers that as he's teaching 22 um, and I'm kind of sad that like they didn't really bring that back around and relate that. Yeah, the teaching. We get that great moment where like 22, who's inside of his body, mm-hmm. talks to the student who wants to quit, like in the yeah. stairwell. Uh-huh. And that's a moment where it's like 22 is inadvertently being uh, like teaching about and helping the student. But yeah, I feel like we never quite got Joe having the moment to of like really bringing teaching back into it of like, and yeah. So I feel like there's like other endings of this movie that I was expecting and wanting. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a case of like Pixar 
subverting my expectations for something I didn't know I wanted. It's just mm-hmm. a case of like, I think the ending they chose just wasn't as strong as other ones. Yeah. And I think it would have been more interesting if he had decided, yeah, like I, I'm really, I thought jazz music, like performing was my calling in life, but now I realize like I can do more through teaching or even just like, I think it would have been interesting if he had just not gotten the job with yeah. this, this quartet. And if he had not gotten it, and then it's like, well, what do you do when you thought you had your big break and you don't get it? And now what? Like, that's been your whole purpose in life. That, yeah, that would have now been like a stronger, a stronger life lesson maybe to take yeah. away from the movie. For me, like the, the most deep, impactful moment of the movie that like just hit you was the haircut scene. Yeah. Um, where, you know, 22 ends up you know, developing this new angle of a relationship with the barber. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, that goes back to 22 doing all the character development. Right. And not the main character. But I feel like if they had taken that and explored that idea a little bit more. Um, yeah, that whole idea of like being so caught up. And, and I think that um, having been like worked, you know, in Hollywood and been around people in LA, I feel like people, especially in creative industries can become that way where it's like 24 seven, everything I'm doing is trying to become X, a writer, actor, director, musician, whatever. Yeah. And so everything in your whole world and life is colored by that creative endeavor. And when you get like so focused on like one goal in life, I think then all of your conversations become about that thing. And so, and we saw that with Joe, where he's like, everything in his life is about jazz. Yeah. He teaches jazz all day. And then when he talks to other people, he's talking about jazz. And then, yeah, 22 is the one who gets like the barber, that relationship with the barber goes to a new level because they talk about other things that are more important yeah. to the other characters and in that scene. And now that we're talking about that, maybe one of the goals that the movie was trying to show was... Um, you know, maybe the main, was it Joe Gardner? That's his name. Maybe like Joe was in danger of becoming one of those monsters that we see, you know, how like you go into the zone and, and like you're in that flow state and you're, you're there. But then if you do that too much, then you become one of those, you know, monsters crawling around with that covered in sand. Um, and so maybe, you know, just talking about that now, like during the movie that didn't really click for me, um, I didn't make that connection, but now just like this conversation maybe like that where is where he was headed. The purpose of the movie is like, don't be too engrossed in your passion because then you miss out on everything else. Yeah. And I feel like, cause 22 ends up becoming one of those sort of uh-huh. mind, mindless monsters. And I feel like that didn't quite make sense to me either. No, like me either. why yeah. she became one of those. But I, whereas I feel like you're saying he was the one more in danger mm-hmm. of becoming monotonous in life. And right. So yeah, I think, and like I, like you were saying, I, and I feel like there's all these really interesting ideas that they're pulling at. And I feel like, I don't know if it was just production schedule of like, they've got to get a movie out, you know, and mm-hmm. they have so many movies in the pipeline that this one just felt a little underbaked. Like I just needed yeah. a little more time to really sort of solidify these, uh, these ideas that they yeah. were exploring. And as my wife put it, it, it seemed like it didn't have enough heart. And I saw lots of people online who loved this movie that said, like, 
they were bawling and like, you know, lots of tears in this movie. And I didn't have any. And that, like, for context, I usually cry pretty easy in movies. Like, I cry way more than my wife does at movies. Coco was a big one for me. And even Inside Out, there were moments that just, like, hit me. But this one, like, I could tell the parts of the movie where that's where they wanted me to have that impact moment. But I I wasn't feeling it. For me, the the scenes that I enjoyed the most were the ones like the barbershop mm-hmm. or the conversations with his mom and that, yeah. and the, like tailoring her, the suit. her friends or or coworkers or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like the the real world stuff of his life felt way more engaging than the like big afterlife, before life sort of stuff, which I think yeah. is interesting because like Pixar is usually really good at like taking this idea like in Coco, the afterlife, and then making it very big and grand. And let's explore sort of this really unique world. And I felt myself feeling disappointed that we didn't explore the real world more in this movie, because I feel like, and I think, so I think that there's a lot that they baked into this movie of like New York and Joe and his world where like, I just, I wanted more of it. And I wanted less of the like soul part of it and just wanted a movie about, him being a teacher struggling in and all the sort of stuff that comes with that. And, and then, but that's a different movie too, you know? Right. And, right. Um, but I feel like those are the parts that made me feel the most like sitting up in my seat and paying attention and enjoying yeah. what was going on. My wife and I also discussed what this movie is sorely lacking is just some animated stills, just some, some scenes that, roll by during the credits of the movie you know so the movie ends and then it would be really cool to see 22 like you know as a brand newborn you know wherever she ends up and and like we don't recognize the baby or the parents but we know that that's who it is or and then we see like um joe you know teaching and enjoying it or hooking up with that old girlfriend that was alluded to during the film and like, I think we needed some of that, too, during the credits. Mm-hmm. They've done that in a lot of their movies. So it's, yeah, a little interesting that they didn't do that here. Mm-hmm. Like, Inside Out had some good ones at the in their end credits. Yeah. Of like, yeah. sort of just kind of making some other jokes about aspects of this world, you know, mm-hmm. the, that we didn't see in the movie itself. Right. Um, which I was reading an interview, and Pete Doctor said that they did have, like, they they rewrote and rewrote this ending. And I think they were still toying with it up till the very end. And, mm-hmm. um, but he said one of the endings they had toyed with was like, do you have like Joe have a student come like a new student come to class? And this is like down the road, you know, like years later. And we're realizing that like, Oh, it's 22. And like, mm-hmm. he noticed it, you know, like because of something the student says or whatever that like, Oh, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. And they just were like, it's just too hokey sort of yeah. like, you know, to like yeah. tie it to make it that neat, you know? Yeah. I think from the minute I saw this movie first advertised in trailers and stuff, when I saw it was like the ideas of like the afterlife, like Coco, like uh-huh. Coco was another one that like, as soon as I saw that movie advertised and then saw it, I was like, Oh, Mormons are going to eat this movie up. Yeah. And, yeah. and we'll probably talk about Coco at some point. But this one too, it's just like, especially once it like 
they kind of let loose the idea that it wasn't going to just explore the soul, but it was going to be sort of the great before and the great after. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I can see lots of Mormons lining it's up for this movie. Life. <laughs> because, yeah, it fits the a lot of the things that are taught uh-huh. in church and the plan yeah. of salvation about a, a pre-earth life and the purpose of this life. And so I feel like this movie definitely hits on a lot of things that are very Mormon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you did you feel that same way watching it or I did like as soon as I saw like a trailer for it and they hinted at like the great before I'm like, oh, pre-earth life. Yeah, like, that's that's what they're going for. And I'm like, that would make a really good episode. You know? And I I saw some takes on Twitter, you know, people saying things like that where they're like, so basically it's Saturday's warrior. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sort of those ideas. I think that like this movie definitely hit on some you know mormon theology Mm -hmm. in some superficial ways and i think that's probably like my biggest point as far as talking about this from a mormon perspective Uh is that i feel like mormons get really excited when they see something like this explored in a movie the connections are really superficial compared to the actual beliefs but they just like latched onto these things because oh, it's like kind of, if you squint at it, that thing, I believe. And kind of going off of that, I had a realization too that, you know, you know, when I was a believing member that that would happen all the time where, you know, there'd be a hint of Mormon theology that popped in there and I'd be like, oh, like, that's like what I believe, just like you were saying. But um, there were other times when, you know, there'd be a movie that I I would really, really enjoy, but that... I couldn't give it like an a hundred percent endorsement just because, you know, my Mormon upbringing, it's like, Oh, like, like they have this and that's good, but maybe it's, you know, just a little bit off and not correct. And, you know, not aligned with the true doctrines of the church. And so like, I, I would really want to like something, but I would, a lot of times I would feel like I had to kind of have that little asterisk there. You know, the, I, I wonder if that's the case with, you know, any members of the church with this movie where it's like, yeah, it's the pre-earth life, but it's not really like true or, you know, it's not truth. And so, you know, maybe they don't want to 100% jump on it. But I mean, that's probably not the case for most people. Coming from that perspective as as someone who wrote movies and was believing, um, I feel like, there were times when it's like I had an idea. It's like, oh, it'd be really interesting to write that thing. But it didn't quite square with like what I believed. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, and I feel like sometimes Mormons sometimes get caught up in the like accuracy of it all. Uh-huh. That like they, if it's some, if it's not depicted 100% accurate, then it's not something they want to really like explore. And so at least personally, like, and so like a movie like soul or Coco is great because it's like, Oh, they're exploring like the idea of eternal families in Coco, mm-hmm. but they're, they're doing it in a way that's not quite doctrinally accurate. There's no it's mention okay. of Jesus. There's no ceiling, right. you know, but I think ultimately most people would probably say, but it's okay because Pixar made this movie. But if, if a Mormon had come out with and said like Coco is a Mormon movie, like I made this movie, it's a movie about eternal families uh-huh. And then it was the same exact movie in there. And like you said, there's no mention of like the temple 
and ceilings. Yeah. I feel like Mormons would end up rejecting that because it wasn't yeah. accurate enough. Coming and it was from coming from somebody who should have known better, quote unquote. You right. Know? That's one of my things with like, um, or at least how I used to feel. And I feel like it colored the way that I like interpreted movies or thought about ideas, stories I wanted to tell is that like, that I knew that like, Oh, if I told that story and was a believing member and other members saw it, they wouldn't like it because Mm -hmm. it didn't fit, you know, like the depiction of the afterlife wasn't accurate or true quote unquote. Yeah. And so yeah, I feel, and so I feel like the but the the ironic thing in all this is that like a movie that explores the ideas of like a pre-earth life and the purpose of life and an afterlife, like Soul is a movie that should have been made by a Mormon, like mm-hmm. like that feels very Mormon in its ideas, and and there are tons of members of the church who work at Pixar. Uh-huh. Pixar would come to BYU to recruit all the time. And so I'm sure that there was, there are, there's someone who worked on this movie. Yeah. Who's a believing member of the church, but um, it's the sort of thing that like, why it just makes me feel like, why aren't Mormons owning those ideas? And like souls, a movie that is going to be talked about for a long time, Mm -hmm. dealing with these ideas that Mormons have been teaching about for generations. Why didn't, why is Saturday's warrior the only (laughs) <laughs> that we cut out of it yeah. you know that like that yeah. like it feels like someone could have made a movie that had mainstream appeal with these same ideas but yeah. then you're i feel like it's the idea of like you're betraying your beliefs by because you can't cutting depict out. it a hundred percent accurately yeah, exactly going going off of that you know you and i recently started a podcast um and so kind of to prepare for that i looked for other similar podcasts just to see if there's anything out there just to see if you know just to get ideas and see how other people do it and i found a podcast called popcorn theology and i think i talked to you about this and so basically from what i can tell it's um a conversation between three or four different people talking about movies from their faith perspective and they're all like very strong believing born again evangelical christians and I think one of the guys who's on there regularly is actually a pastor. And so they talk about, you know, all these movies from their perspective. And it's a really high quality podcast. Like they do a really good job of, you know, presenting the ideas and it's engaging and interesting to listen to. Obviously, like me listening to it, I have a very different faith background and context where I am right now. Um, and so I don't necessarily, you know, agree with everything, but it's it's fun and interesting to listen to. I feel like there's sometimes where they do what we just talked about, where they like want to like a movie, but they can't a hundred percent endorse it just because it's not aligned with their doctrine. Um, for example, like Coco was one. I listened to their Coco episode and like they were very like cautious about wanting to like promote it because it's like we know we know that this isn't actually how it is. And they wanted like to be sure to their listeners that it's like, you know, we, we don't fully, you know, we know that this isn't the way that it is, but, and another one that they did was, um, that the, you know, that sentiment came across was Fiddler on the Roof and they were, they had to throw in so many, um, like disclaimers. I may have been like that before too, but I feel like right now I'm just like, like, just enjoy it and embrace it, you know, like, and, and I feel like I'm able to do that better now than I was before. 
Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And I feel like, um, you know, tying back to sort of our discussion in previous episodes about Mormon cinema, I feel like that this idea we're talking about holds people back from like being fully creative, I think sometimes, mm-hmm. while being a believing member of the church, because there's always that thing in the back of your head that's like, but does it square with what the doctrine says or what does yeah. it square with what I believe? And, yeah. and I feel like it's okay to separate those things. And I feel like Mormon audiences really love movies like Saul that explore these ideas. And even though they're not quite right, like it's okay because mm-hmm. someone else made this movie. Um, and so it like gives them the opportunity to sort of explore ideas that maybe wouldn't come if you were having a Sunday school lesson about the pre-earth life, you know? Yeah. And so for that, like, I feel like I, you know, I still feel spiritual for sure Mm -hmm. in, in lots of ways. And I feel like I appreciate movies like soul that make me sit and think about things like what is the purpose of life and what, you know, like I'm glad that there are movie studios making movies that kids can enjoy that are also asking those sort of questions about life. And, and so I think that's the benefit of Pixar in the long run is that like, they're making movies that no one else can make. And, and because they sort of have the freedom to, to swing for the fences. Yeah. And they've, they've done that with a lot of their other movies too, you know, especially with movies like Coco and Inside Out where it's fun for kids, but it's also like makes you reflect and makes you think. And I think we should cover both of those movies in a later later episodes i think um and and i guess sort of to wrap up that or at least what i wanted to talk about as far as the mormon side of things is that i feel like it's a very superficial sort of comparison to the yeah, plan of it, salvation it doesn't go very deep Let's no like... it, it doesn't connect at all in, no. ex- aside from like uh before the fact uh, that there was a before <laughs> yeah before and, and that's middle and an after yeah. um and i so i think that like you know i i because i did see takes of people not liking the movie because like from a post-Mormon perspective, because it was just like too much like Sunday school and sort of Mm -hmm. the plan of salvation. And it's like, did you see the movie? Like it, it didn't have anything like the message of the movie is sort of antithetical to the plan of salvation where the plan of salvation is all about finding, you know, a very definitive purpose in life. Uh And at least uh, in a, on a macro level, and this is ultimately saying there is no purpose. Like there is no macro level. Just yeah, go out and enjoy and savor the small moments. Yeah, you, know? you could say eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> I don't know if that would be really accurate to what this movie's saying, but that yeah. idea of that, like enjoying, enjoying life. I think we could all stand to hear that message more. Yeah. I feel like that's something I definitely feel more now. You know, we began this episode talking about our favorite Pixar movies. And, and yeah, I was looking at the other day of like just how long Pixar's been around and like realizing, oh, yeah, when Toy Story came out in 95, like I was pretty, I was in my daughter's age pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And now like they're, you know, we're coming around to like her being this age and she has Soul as Pixar's 23rd movie in you know what since 95 that's 25 years uh-huh um which is a pretty impressive track record to i mean they've been putting out a movie pretty much almost almost every year 
Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them are, you know, home runs. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure some people might listen to this episode and feel like, man, they really weren't excited about Saul. <laughs> they were kind of <laughs> harsh on this movie. But I mean, I just love Pixar. Like, and, and like yeah. you're saying, a bad Pixar movie, and not that Soul is even close to a bad Pixar movie, is, uh-huh. is still just like so much better than most of what else, what else is coming out for, for kids or for families. And so it's just, I mean, look forward to talking about more Pixar movies. Right. We are Pixar future. fans. Yeah, definitely. Don't, don't worry like <laughs> about us. <laughs> um. I mean, we, we don't, we have the same beliefs about the church anymore, but we're not that crazy. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. This has been our episode on soul and we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Should we tease it? Cause we kind of know what we want to do for the next one. Yeah. Go ahead and tease it. Okay. We're going to do the matrix next. Yeah. A staple of post-Mormon cinema. That's right. Um, this was our first uh, new release film that we've covered on an episode and the next episode will be our first official R-rated movie that we've covered, which is okay because we've already talked about that in the R-rated episode. Hitting all the milestones now. Right. Right. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us and we will catch you later. Bye. Postmormon at the movies is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us for regular updates and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you can download episodes as they become available. Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the movies next time.